devotion how do you get, get devotion by doing what we're doing what is that by hearing and talking about the supreme lord's special qualities in every relationship satsanging or satsanging that's how you achieve devotion it is it is it is devotion to satsang and what it builds a devotion vasana you want to have a habit of worshiping God. You make it a habit. Understand? Well, you see it all the time. And then he says, 38, however, however, he's going to give you another idea here. The primary method by which one develops devotion is association with great souls. Oh. <laughs> no, I'm associating with you because you're great souls. <laughs> Contact, that's, that's the number one. That's the big one, is, is associating with a, a person who knows, a free person. Great soul means a free person. In the Vedic tradition here, because there are free people who can't set you free. There's 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 a lot of free people, actually. There's many more than you think. There's actually millions of them around the world, but very very few of them can set you free. Why? There we call them Brahmanishtas. A Brahmanishta means they're established in Brahman, in the self, as the self. There's many of those people. But, but what? They're not Shrotriyas. The Shrotriya is somebody who, control, who, who, who can wield the means of knowledge effectively. So to have a teacher, you, need a, you don't need a Brahmanishta, actually. Shankara makes this point. He says, you can even get enlightened from an unenlightened person who teaches Vedanta properly. That's interesting, isn't it? Isn't that interesting? Why? Because it's not the teacher that's doing it, it's the teaching. So if he teaches, if you follow the method, if you follow the logic, if you learn it, just... Uh, properly, uh, you can get set free simply by, by the method. Unfo uh, 
For, uh, fortunately, it's better to have a Brahmanishta who's also a Shrotriya, somebody who's free, who can teach, because they have extra authority. And you can actually experience or see the freedom as you're being taught. You can tell there's something in you that knows that's a free person. And so you listen more carefully, and they often have this Shakti, this charisma, this power that attracts you. So you listen more carefully and you pay more attention and it's quicker and easier with those, with the Brahmanishtas who are Shrotriyas. There's many great souls. Once you get to know who you are, then you'll see them. You won't see them physically, but you'll recognize when you see them that there are great souls, particularly as soon as they open their mouth. Everybody's in the self until he or she opens his or her mouth. And then, huh? And then, then you'll figure out very quickly whether they're the self or not. If they're, if they're speaking purely from a dualistic position, huh? And, uh, and they don't know they're speaking from a dualistic position, then they're not a great soul. Whereas a great soul will speak as if he's not enlightened but you'll be able to tell, it's a subtle thing, you'll be able to tell that he's pretending to be a person. <laughs> the difference, it's a subtle difference. When your mind gets subtle, gets sattvic after a while, it becomes clear. So he says, and what, what about these great souls? It says, is what, this is what the scripture, now this, you can take this literally. It says, contact with great souls is rare. Why is it rare? Because very few people are qualified. And great souls only accept qualified people. So, there's very few people are qualified. That's all. And, and, and it's difficult to understand. These people are difficult to understand because they look like people, but they're not people. There's, huh? We're so used to seeing a normal person. When we see one of these great souls, we treat the great soul like he's a normal person. He or she's a normal person. We, huh? It's a strange business. It's a, huh? they're, they're not people. They look like people. What are you actually seeing there? You're seeing the self in a person pretending to be a person. It's all an act. But you don't think it's an act. You think what they're, they're, body and mind and all that is real but it isn't and so you feel uneasy around them don't get one of these people into your life your life will change whether you like it or not they're dangerous people hmm? don't invite one into your house normally these these great souls they won't stay in a person's house for more than a few days they move on quickly. 
everybody welcomes them and it's all very nice and everybody gets high, but pretty soon you don't sleep well at night. You start noticing things you didn't notice before. Huh? You, huh? All sorts of things start to happen inside you huh? and it starts to get real uncomfortable. And so then, then the Mahatma moves on. When you're, when you're a sannyasi in India and you take this, take the vow and become a sannyasi, one of the state, one of the vows that you take is never to stay more than three days in one place. That's what to keep you from getting attached to things, but also what that's to keep from disturbing people who are not what ready to be disturbed. Understand? These people will transform your life. It's pretty scary in a way. If you're very attached to your own identity, it's, 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 it's scary. In my case, I love weird, scary things. I love dangerous things. I love um, uncertainty. But most people don't like it. Most people only like security. They're always trying to remove uh, insecurity. But insecurity is exciting, it's cool. So when you meet one of these people, you better be ready to change. That, because it, it, what does he say here? What does he say? He says, and, and they're difficult to understand and, and infallible. That means the effects of meeting them are infallible. Do, do you think I actually thought 50 years ago that I'd be sitting in a, in a yoga ashram in Germany with 1,000 beds talking Vedanta? To, huh? Do you know why I'm doing that? Because I met Swamiji. That's what. Infallible. I am the Swami. I didn't think I'd be a Swami at all. I'm a Swami. I'm the Swami. I am my guru. Appearing here now. Understand? It's infallible. You have no choice. That's scary for most people. Because they're all attached, clinging to little things. Small little things. You worry about the small stuff. This is why these, he said here, what? The spirit of renunciation is the essence of the whole thing. <clears throat> if you have that spirit of renunciation, then you, then you can what? Then you can de deal with these people because once you get around a great soul, you got to let go of everything. You just will. You'll want to. Because you know that's the road to freedom. And he says what? Then he says more about this. And the reason is this verse is, is don't look for them. Don't go looking for them. What does he say? Verse 40. The association of great souls can be obtained. You can get it. Huh? And then he says, the operative word is only, but only by the grace of the Lord. Mm. Now, 
Now, does that mean it has nothing to do with you? No. That means you have to earn the grace of God. Because grace is earned. That doesn't mean you can just lay around like a big blob and, and, and wait for God to take bring you a great guru. That's not what that means. That means what? You keep your head down, follow Dharma, do your sadhana, pray and meditate, pray for understanding, pray for knowledge, huh? get, your, get your attention, your mind totally focused on what you want, huh? and what? And one day, one fine day, you'll bump into one of these people will just be there in your life. In the most, either most ordinary way or the most extraordinary way. It just depends on your karma. So it says, so. Then, then Ishwara will have heard you and Ishwara will have made this Mahatma available to you. Understand? But you go around and hop from girl to girl and girl and this and that sort of thing. It's never going to happen. You'll meet all kinds of gurus. You'll get little bits of things here and there. You may get a lot here and a lot there, a little that. You may not get anything. You may have a big fight with them. Who knows? You'll just keep hopping around because you're looking for somebody special. But that's not your business. That's Ishwara's job. Ishwara's job to supply you with the guru when you're ready, when you're prepared. Understand? So he says here. It, uh, it says here, uh, a proper Mahatma is a self-actualized individual steeped in the Vedic tradition. Non-Vedikas, there's people who don't accept the Vedas as a means of knowledge. Non-Vedikas are not considered to be Mahatmas because without knowledge of the Vedic tradition, they present dualistic ideas common to yoga and the devotional schools, which view dualistic devotion as both the means and the end, and consider informal dualistic devotion to be a direct means of liberation. All right, talked about that. The, it says here, these schools are knowledge-averse. Knowledge they don't like knowledge. The modern spiritual world, they don't like knowledge. Hmm? They say there's no knowledge, there's no scripture. Don't read any books, your awareness. There's no doer, you can't read, you shouldn't read, you shouldn't think. The yoga people, oh, you're thinking, that's what's your problem. Huh? Huh? They don't want, they're knowledge averse. They hate knowledge. They think it's all intellectual. You're wasting your time. That's what they think. And that's what they tell you. And you don't know anything. So you say, okay, I'm going to stop thinking. I'm not going to read anything. I'm just going to experience God. No, you're not. You're, you'll keep right on thinking. You can't stop thinking. It's not anything wrong with the mind at all. It's, what, it's the knowledge that the mind has, the kind of thoughts it has, and the way it thinks is the problem. You have to what, get the right thoughts in your mind, and you have to learn how to think them properly. To think properly. That's the point here. 
says, these schools are knowledge-averse, and they vehemently assert that Vedanta study is not required. Tony Parson, some, some of a, a couple of my people went there to listen to Tony. They were English, and they, they heard about it, so they went. And they asked him, well, what about Vedanta? You know what he said? Vedanta's rubbish. Shut up. Vedanta's rubbish. Shut up. That's what they told him. That's what he told them, I'm sorry. It says, they even go so far as to saying that Vedanta is an obstacle to liberation because they mistakenly believe that it's devoid of heart, meaning feelings. Huh? They all go, well, they all go want to get a hug from Amachi. It's a big mama. She hugs them and makes them feel. You know, and Ramji, oh, you don't get your hugs from Ramji, do you? He's a big, mean guru. I do. Yeah, you get your hugs. I'm, I'm warm and fuzzy, actually. I know how to hug. I'm a good hugger. <laughs> and I make you laugh and make you feel good, don't I? Yeah, I do. Of course I do. You think we're, what, you think I'm a not a feeling person? Because I've got a brain? <laughs> Have, huh? Having a brain doesn't mean I'm incapable of feeling. Huh? Jesus Christ. I tell you, the world is going to, I mean, it's unbelievable. It's a mess the world is. Vedanta is not averse to feelings insofar as feelings and emotions are an essential aspect of existence. Why, why would you deny feelings? It's stupid. In fact, this text informs us how to use our love, the only feeling that really counts, constructively. <clears throat> Instead of using your love for stupid things, pursuing things in this world, why don't you use your love constructively huh, and make something out of it? <coughs> this is all about your feelings, for God's sakes. Most important feeling. What's the most important feeling? Love. That's all. Vedanta's analysis of the emotional aspect of human existence is second to none. Nobody is as clear about the value of emotions as Vedanta is. Yet they all throw it out to Vedanta's intellectual. That's because they don't, they're not sensitive people. They're not very intelligent. God bless them, and there's, you know, there's something for them. But but because the ignorant people, you know, well, never mind. <laughs> I'll just I, I get worked up. Uh, Forty-one. Now, okay, here you go. There is no difference between the Lord's grace and the grace of the great souls that manifest it. So I told you, if you if you see if you see this thing here as Ishwara teaching you, then you're good to go. <coughs> There's no difference. You're being taught by Ishwara, that's the point. Understand? And you don't have, and I say you don't have to like me or not. It doesn't matter. Because it's Ishwara's teaching here. So you should take it as Ishwara and leave James out of the picture. I I don't need to be in the picture, okay? There's <clears throat> no need for me to be in the picture. It just gets in the way anyway. So I just throw in some James comments to make jokes and make you feel comfortable and for a little enjoyment on my personal enjoyment on my own. 
you know, but understand there's no difference between the Lord's grace and the great souls of Manicus did. And then what does he say? So what do you do? Strive only for God's grace. And then he repeats it. Strive only for God's grace. And what does that imply? Next verse. By all means, renounce all relationships with ignorant, negative, self-centered people. Kind of, kind of, everybody. <laughs> yeah, stay away from them. <laughs> so you married a jerk, you know. Just ignore him or, or divorce him or go somewhere else, you know. Don't waste your time hanging around with people whose minds are like totally negative and, and whiny and complaining and clingy and needy. And oh, my God, it, it, it's, you know, you're not doing yourself a favor. You're, you're wasting you're, you're wasting your precious time, your precious resources by associating with sensories. We we've got about a five minutes. My wife and I have about a five minute tolerance, huh? You know, and we're very polite and very friendly, and we like like this and smile and shake hands and all that sort of thing. And then then after five minutes, you just you just go blank and we stop listening. And but but. I've learned how to nod and say, yes, uh-huh, oh, oh, yes, right, uh-huh, but I'm not listening, and I don't care to listen, and, and, I, and I'm thinking, please go away, because I'm sick and tired of hearing this. I've heard this story one million times, and you don't realize how boring this is to me, because you're so fascinated by your stupid, boring statements that you're not paying attention to me at all. Please go away. That's what a prayer I'm making in, to Ishwara, and soon enough, off they go. They feel, oh, this person, I don't, he's not listening to me. He doesn't understand, or I don't want to understand. I know what you're saying. And what you're saying is just, uh, it's just a waste of time. That's all. I've got better things to do with my mind than what? Than, than you know. So is it not law of this world to listen to other people who are suffering what? or something? If you are listening... Yeah, well, yeah, I, I mean, it's another case. Yeah. Well, and yeah. is it not law as well to just sit there and listen to them because they need somebody to listen to them? Okay, yeah, but but uh, but that's fine. Give them the love and then see if they if they need you anymore. Yeah, they just keep thing. suffering and they keep coming back over and over. That, that's and a, that's the kind I of get my problems because yeah. then I've. I'm feeling so much. Anyway, I can't help you. <laughs> well, that's right, and you, and you should learn to recognize. You should recognize sooner than later that you can't solve their problem, because yeah. they think uh, they don't think they're the problem. They think they have problems. Mm. One day, one day, this man came to Swamiji. It was really funny. It was just so funny, and Swamiji was so glorious, you know. This little man, he was really a cute little man, you know. 
And he came up and he touched Swamiji's feet. Swamiji looked at him. Said, he goes like this. means, what do you want? <laughs> <laughs> that's in India, that's what they do. <laughs> Tell me. And, and he said, Swamiji, Swamiji, he says, like, this is Swamiji, I have a problem. And Swamiji looked at him and he said, you don't have a problem. You are the problem. <laughs> Everybody had a good laugh, including the man. Because <laughs> with Swamiji, it was funny even if it hurt. It was always funny because he, he was a really a hilarious, humorous person. And you could feel it. And it wasn't done in a mean way at all. It was just a fact. No, you, they don't know they're the problem. They they think somebody else can solve the problem. And they don't, that's right, you're right, absolutely. They really don't want to let go of that problem because why? Because that's how they get sympathy. They need attention, they need love, they need sympathy, and they're begging a little bit from you. They're beggars. They're energy suckers. <laughs> Holy moly, huh? Boy, and if, once they get you, sometimes they, when they get me, I, I forget who I am, and they get me. And I find myself just being sucked along by them. And I think, oh, Jesus, stop it, Ron. You, that person's going to, huh? They'll, they'll, they'll eat up every bit of your, your life from you. So needy. You can just feel it when they get around you. You start, huh? You start, huh? A needy person? Don't you feel it? Yeah, you do. You feel it. And, and you should, you should uh, be clever as how to get out of it. I always have an appointment in five minutes. <laughs> Even if I don't, I say, oh, geez, I'm sorry. I'd love to keep talking to you. I just remembered, I've got a Skype chat in, in seven minutes and I'm late. We'll speak again. Get out of there. Huh? I mean, it's not me. The scripture says that. I... <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, 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 I'm not,